Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh. There's Chuck and Dave and Jerry are both here in spirit. <clears throat> and this is Short Stuff. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. This is Orche Uff Stay. <laughs> I had a hard time with this episode research-wise because uh, this How Stuff Works article keeps talking about what a joke it is and how easy it is. And <laughs> it's like, it's not the Enigma code. Right. But I didn't do Pig Latin growing up. So it just still confuses me. Like, I get it, but I, I like I, I don't just hear someone speak it and I can say, oh, this is what they're saying. And yeah. I have to write it down and move a bunch of dumb letters around. Right, right. Yeah, you. I, I'm right there with you. Like, I have to stop and think about it, you know, how to say a certain word or spell it or what somebody's saying is very difficult, too. But I think that's kind of because Pig Latin wasn't like the cool thing when we were growing up. Were we younger, we probably, or I should say way, way older, we probably um, would have been a little better at Pig Latin. It's just, it is very easy to learn. The rules of it are very easy, but to speak it fluently would be, I'm sure, very difficult and take a lot of practice for sure. Yeah, and there are so many more things that you can do with your time that are more constructive sure. than to try and be fluent in big Latin. But when you're a little kid and the only uh, the only thing to play with is a, a hoop with a stick that you chase down yeah. a hill, pig Latin is <laughs> pretty attractive. You know what I mean? Yeah. So pig Latin is, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the history in a sec, but basically if you take the word cat, and we got this from the House of Works article, at, way, is, way, igpe, at, and lay. What is pig Latin? Mm-hmm. See, that annoys me just reading it. <laughs> uh, so what you do with cat, it would end up as at K. So you take the letter at the beginning of the word, move it to the end, add the syllable A-Y, and that's sort of it, right? That I mean, that that is all there is to it. So you'd have at K. That's pretty yeah. simple, at K. Um and that's it. I mean, that's all there there really is to it. Like, if you run into a word that has a couple of syllables, um, they use the example of curtain. Um, there's a couple of things you can do. You can say urtin k. That's what I would do. But if sure. you if you were like fluent in Pig Latin, you might say, no, no, no. Each syllable gets messed around with this. So you have um, urk ten a. No, urk a. Which, yeah. I mean, like, almost no one's going to know what you're Come talking on. about, especially at first. But if you and your buddy are really good at Pig Latin, then you've got your own little language that no one can can uh, come into. And, and your world is, is shatterproof. That's right. And uh, there were some predecessors to Pig Latin, uh, Dog Latin and Hog Latin, mm-hmm. which they think um, the name Hog Latin might have eventually gotten to Pig Latin, even though Dog Latin and Hog Latin were not anything like Pig Latin. Um, apparently, it was just like a fake Latin that people made up, like Shakespeare, mm-hmm. uh, I think, did a little, uh, I think, Dog Latin. And it's funny, they they really explained the Shakespeare passage, which <laughs> I don't even think we should get into. But oh, at the oh end, no, no, no. You, <laughs> you be to? Costard, I'll be Holofernes. <laughs> All right, jeez. Okay. Everyone? We present to you a dramatic reading from Shakespeare's Love's Labor Lost. Oh, I'm co-star? Yeah, you're (laughs) co-star. Man, this is why our TV show didn't work. Oh, wait, I'm Chuck? (laughs) All right, co-star. Go to thou hast it, add dunghill, 
At the finger's ends, as they say. Oh, I smell false Latin. Dunghill for ungum. <laughs> and then oh, I wait, wait. the... End oh, scene. Oh, okay. There's an end scene. We can't go over that again. <laughs> So this article takes great pains to express uh, to explain all that, and then at the very end says the joke is much funnier when you explain it at length. And I'm like, no, that's never been true for any joke ever. Right. <laughs> well, so but the point is, is like what Shakespeare was calling this uh, dog Latin or hog Latin or dog Latin is basically more like Cockney rhyming slang than what we think of as pig Latin. He was replacing yeah. dunghill for ungium which is fingernail, which was, <laughs> right, pretty clever wordsmithery, right? And it's funny, yeah. like, it's pretty rich, the two of us just mocking Shakespeare right now. But <laughs> but that, that this was, like, not, it, it has nothing to do with Pig Latin, even though they're, like, clearly Hog Latin was a direct predecessor of Pig Latin. Even, even if they aren't similar, somebody said, oh, we'll call this one Pig Latin rather than Hog Latin. Yeah, and I think even uh, Edgar Allan Poe mentioned both dog and pig Latin. I'm sorry, dog Latin and pig Greek. Yeah, uh, and this was pretty disparaging of those. But uh, again, it was not the pig Latin that we know. And maybe we should take a break and talk about when that dumb thing came around right after this. K O A. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Chuck. Um, so, Pig Latin, as we understand it, was around by um, the late 1800s at the latest, they think. Yeah, there was, uh, I think in 1896, the Ox, uh, it was in the Atlantic, rather. It says, they all spoke a queer jargon, which they themselves had invented. It was something like the well-known Pig Latin that all sorts of children like to play with. Uh, and it looks like it was invented by kids to talk about stuff that their parents couldn't understand. That totally makes sense. Um, And again, here's where that famous Enigma code line comes in, that like the (laughs) parents could could crack it pretty easily. Um, the, The point was, I think maybe that it became cute and just widely appreciated because maybe, this is my own personal theory, kids thought that they were speaking in a way their parents couldn't understand and their parents did fully understand, so they allowed it to keep going on as like the secret language um, with with this kind of like little bit of, you know, delight at the, the childhoodness of the whole thing. That's what I think. That's why I think Pig Latin got traction originally. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of weird that I have such contempt for it because... I've seen examples in movies and in real life where, uh, and it usually seems like young girls have made up their own little secret language. And I just find that like exhaustively adorable and very funny and cool. Mm -hmm. But there's something about pig Latin that just ugs babe me. Oh, good one. Good one, Chuck. (laughs) That was very good. Yeah. So, um, one of the, the things that I love about Pig Latin are twofold, and they both come in the early 20th century. So Pig Latin basically had its golden age, its heyday, where it was like part of the popular culture in like yeah. the first uh, th- three or four decades of the 20th century. And um, 
it showed up, Chuck, in this 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 song called <laughs> Pig Latin Love, which was an Arthur Fields record from 1919. And did you listen to it? Of course. It's adorable. I yeah, looked. It's, it's cool. I looked everywhere to see if it's in the public domain and couldn't find it. So I'm not sure if we can play anything. Oh, it's got to be. I would think so, too. So we'll say, let's play a little bit here. And then if you don't hear anything, it means that we found out it is in the public domain, in which case, go look it up yourself. But here's a little clip of Pig Latin Love by Arthur Fields. Maybe. Crackly goodness. It really is. And so I just think it's an adorable, adorable song. But the fact that somebody had a popular song about this shows just how popular it was at the time, how how prevalent it was in Pig I almost said in pig culture, in pop culture. I'm sure in pig culture, they're like, stop making fun of us. We don't talk like that. Yeah, we used to have an old Victrola with some old records, and uh, it, w- it was always kind of fun to um, to put those on. Like, we never did it as a family, like, sat around and listened to them, but when friends would come over, I'd pop one on. Yeah. It's kind of kind of cool. My dad had um, Jackie Gleason records. Oh, nice. And uh, I used to tell him that they were so square, the records themselves were square. <laughs> he would be like, what do you mean? <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, so the other use I think you were probably talking about was the Three Stooges, right? Yeah. Did you watch that too? Uh, I didn't actually. I didn't get around to that one. It's just adorable. I can't wait to do our episodes on the Three Stooges or five, episodes? six, seven part episodes <laughs> on the Three Stooges. But there's a particular one in um, 1938 uh, called Tassels in the Air uh-huh. where Moe and Larry are trying to teach Curly pig latin it's a good like full minute or so uh, like lesson on pig latin and curly just can't quite pick up but so he's like so i'm o may and that's airy lay and you're early and curly goes q they're like no and i think he gets slapped (laughs) as a result but um it's it's pretty cute so here's the deal though pig latin is not i mean technically it's a language but it's it's really um, something called backslang or a coded language. Um, it's not like I know we covered Esperanto many many years ago on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, like Klingon. Those are really invented languages with vocabulary and grammar and syntax, and they don't rely on English as the basis of it. This is not that. No, th- there's no Pig Latin without English. That's it. Yeah. And it follows all of the same vocabulary rules and, like you said, syntax and everything that English follows. It's just you're rearranging it a little bit. Um, one of the other categories that Pig Latin qualifies is a coded language. Like the reason that this is done is to disguise what you're saying, uh, even if it is not just kind of a feeble attempt at disguise. It still qualifies it as a, a coded language. Yeah, and there are uh, examples of stuff like this in other countries. Mm-hmm. Apparently in France, there's something called Verlan that switches up the first and last syllables of a word. Mm-hmm. Um, Spanish has uh, Hirgonza. Oh, nice. I guess that's how you would pronounce it. I would guess so. Uh, which, where you double the vowels and put a P between them. So gato, which is cat, is gabatopo, which sounds kind of cool. It does. You take Japan. Okay, Japan has something. I was asking Yumi about this. She knew exactly what I was talking about. Um, of course she did. It's called Babigo. B-A-B-I-G-O, and G-O indicates a language in Japan, so like uh, uh, English Go or something like that would be the English language. This is like Bubba language, and it's because you insert B-sounding syllables into the already extant syllables of a word. So sushi becomes subushibi. 
I love that word. Yeah, subashibi. Subashibi? Yeah, and that's babago go, in Japan. <laughs> let's go get some subashibi. I just think it's so great that everybody's like, yeah, this language inter- is interesting, but we could make it even even better. Let's try. Yeah, and, kids. Yeah, kids are great. Uh, well, you got anything else? Got nothing else. I don't either, so... <laughs> or, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> or stay off... No. Or shay off stay... That's that. All right. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. (laughs) 